what I had to admit to myself was that a lot of that yes you can came from the notion of being a cheerleader yeah you can do it you know versus versus a knowing around yeah you can and whatever it is that you want to do you can do it there is no limitation to what you can do Welcome to the Coaching Life Podcast, where we peel back the ball crap and brush away any photoshopping to give you an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life. Gosh, so happy to be back behind the mic recording this. I haven't actually recorded an episode for about 11 months, I think it is. So um, yeah, this just feels really, really good. Lots of reasons behind that. Maybe I'll go into those one day. But anyway, here we are. Just very happy to be back. I've mentioned many times on this podcast one of the things i love about this profession is the diversity of all the things about the profession how people coach how they train how they gain experience how they build and create their own coaching life and what that says to me is that it is always possible to build a coaching life that is perfect for you in a way that is right and is fun for you One of the fundamental principles that we explore in my Coaching Life Unleashed program is finding what has you come alive in this profession and what will unleash you into your coaching life. It has taken me many, many years of coaching experience to evolve into the coach I am today. I'm hoping there'll be many, many more years too. And although I've invested tens of thousands perhaps even hundreds of thousands i've never totaled it up i probably dare not my primary training has always been through experience starting having coming having coaching conversations around 30 years ago as part of a leadership role in a corporate job and uh, yeah 30 years that's a lot of coaching hours and um yeah, today's guest, uh, I understand, has also been, co- he started coaching quite some time ago also, but I'll leave it to him, you know, we'll explore, I'm looking forward to hear from, uh, hear from him um, exactly when that was and kind of what form that was. When we first connected uh, on social media, <laughs> he was the owner of a gym, um, but yeah, was in a few of the same coaching and personal development circles three principles communities so um, yeah just really looking forward and exploring with him and hearing more about his transition into being a full-time certified and accredited professional coach i love his dedication to learn how open he is um yeah so i've been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time and i think like me he's also been doing a bit of traveling maybe we'll touch on that how that fits in and uh, it did it took us quite a while yeah to find a day where our time zones aligned and stuff we've actually had this on our agenda for a good few weeks probably months actually so i'm very happy give a very warm welcome michael fall hello hi phil thank you so much for having me on it did it did well good things that are meant to happen tend to happen right? so yeah wow what a great introduction um and yeah when we first when we first met uh yeah i was still in the gym business um i was running a crossfit gym yeah which i started in um 2006 2007 so yeah i've been coaching for a while but in a completely different modality in a completely different world than the one i'm coaching in now right and uh you know most of it's funny as I've been reflecting back over the journey, um, you know, getting to this point of coaching, you know, call it some state of mind, some executive coaching, some life coaching. I really think we need a better term than life coaching, but <laughs> I haven't, I haven't discovered it yet. I, you know, potential and possibilities coach. I'm not sure what it is yet, but it'll come. Um, so it's been a, it, when I reflect back, it feels like, the journey towards coaching for me in this form really started back in the early 1980s. Um, 
<laughs> and, mm. and curiously enough, with a conversation I had with my mom, because I was such a poor student back in the day, and I was seeing a guidance counselor. And, uh, you know, my mom <clears throat> hands me this red psychology textbook. And I still remember it clear as day oh, where wow. we were, when we were talking about it. It's like 1980, she hands me this book. And it's funny, because <clears throat> what struck me in that moment was that um, what I felt when I got that book was that what I wanted my life to become, what I wanted to do was to find a way to help people not feel how I did at that time. Mm -hmm. So I had a rough childhood. Yeah, I, details are not important, but, you know, the home life and things were a struggle. And it was very sort of important that I, in some way, shape or form, help people avoid how I felt. And it wasn't until <clears throat> probably three years ago that what, re that what I really said to myself back then became clear. And what I heard anew through a, my coach mentor was that my desire was actually to help people feel how I feel now. It had nothing to do with avoiding a situation. Right. So back then I heard, I got the book and I was like, okay, what I want to do is, <laughs> is make it so that people don't feel how I feel. And, and now it's become, well, no, I don't want people to avoid feelings. I don't want people to avoid anything. Mm -hmm. What the mission now is, how can I, how can I point people to the possibility of what it, what, what their potential and possibility is? So that was a really interesting, interesting shift that occurred a few years ago. So I got to give a shout out to Dominic Scafidi there because he was the guy yeah. who helped me helped me yeah. see that. Um, so there yeah. you go, Dom. And um, and also, yeah, maybe we'll come back to that because I think that's an absolutely huge shift. Um, I think most people probably do get into personal development, if we want to call it that, in some way because they're looking to change how they feel, and there's such a liberating shift to change your relationship with how you feel yeah yeah and and that's i mean that really hits the nail on the head and and that occurred for me um, it's like i had an inkling of it most of my life that this shift this, that this relational shift was possible but i i couldn't get there didn't see it and then in 2015 um, which coincided with the end of my gym career essentially although i did hang on for a few years um you know, for any number of reasons, fear is probably <laughs> one of them. You know, I'm old, I, like I'm 49 or however old I was. How am I going to switch careers at this stage in my life? Right. Like, oh, my God. But uh, yeah, in 2015, I ran across the principles and uh, and that experience uh, really galvanized um, that a new direction was necessary. Um, I'd been a martial arts instructor prior to 2006, 2007. I ran a martial arts club and, uh, you know, and, and over the let's say 2006 to 2019, when I finally got out of the gym business, I mean, I have 20,000 plus hours of coaching, mm -hmm. um, some of it group, some of it individual, but it, like a lot of time. And it's funny that <clears throat> over that time at the gym, I would have called myself a coach. And I still kind of use that. Oh yeah, I've been doing it since 2007. I'm a coach. But the truth is um, I wasn't, I didn't become a coach until after 2015. Right. So I went from subject matter expert to understanding what coaching was. I had no idea what coaching really was until, you know, probably 2017 ish. Um, but the, uh, but my experience in 2015, Oh, I'm sorry. I have to share this. A hummingbird was just sitting right in front of my window. Very cool. Oh, beautiful. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the, the experience of 2015 sort of galvanized the direction that I was already heading and, really opened me up to what was possible in a new approach and, and to that shift that, that you mentioned, right? That, that, um, that there is so much more potential and possibility just available to any and all of us at any given time. And, you know, I hung on to the gym business for a while out of fear, you know, like I said, the career change and stuff. And then, uh, but I knew I was done. I knew I had to get out of it. It was no longer satisfying. Um, and, you know, the four years that I spent from 2015 to 2019 before I got out of the business was really a time of 
beginning to practice what it meant to be a coach. So the way that I coached in the gym changed radically. I've always been a believer in, you know, yes, you can. Um, And what I had to admit to myself was that a lot of that, yes, you can came from the notion of being a cheerleader. Yeah, you can do it, you know, versus a knowing around, yeah, you can. And (laughs) whatever it is that you want to do, you can do it. There is no limitation to what you can do. So that was a really neat thing to kind of see how, you know, although cheerleading, coaching, training, uh, in some ways are similar the distinction between the the mind shift of, okay, now I'm a coach was really, really cool. Very, very interesting to sort of, to grow into what it means to become a coach. I guess what occurs to me listening to you is, I mean, I've had, I've, I've um, hired personal trainers and um, yeah. And I can recognize a difference there from perhaps like that traditional encourager, the cheerleader, the encourager, come on, you can do it, Phil to being with somebody who just simply has the knowing of your of your potential and what's possible um there, yeah. yeah so there's a different place to come from well and it was it was actually made clear to me um <laughs> one of my main teachers um, is a woman named hey sun moon and she's a solution focused coach and trainer out of the university of toronto and we were talking about and she used training as an example, right? So, so, you know, let's say someone is doing 50 push-ups. Okay. And she was talking about how, well, you've got 20 more to go. You've got 15 more to go. You've got 10 more to go. So that's one approach. And that was the approach that I typically took. Well, you've only got this many more to go. <laughs> right. So that felt like, okay, I, you know, there's an enthusiasm there. There's an overcoming an obstacle there. There's a motivation to finish. And what she was talking about, which just dumbfounded me when I, when I heard it, was we want to focus on what's already been done, right? You've already done 30. You've already done 40. You've already done 45. So it was a really interesting, it was a new way of looking at how we can play with motivation, let's say, right? So you know, and, and my background in coaching is solution focused, where we tend to look at, and I think all good coaches perhaps do this, we, we tend to want to look at the good that's already occurring in someone's life, mm-hmm. what momentum is already in existence in the direction that you want to go. And this was just like, it's like, wow, it was mind blowing. Oh, well, yeah. And, and really just further galvanizing, okay, well, focusing on the aspects of what a person wants, as they already see them, is so much more powerful. Than, than kind of standing behind them and going, yeah, you've only got this many more. Instead, it's like, wow, you've already got all of this. What more might there be to see when we look from the perspective of look what is already in existence in your life? So it's really interesting how the two worlds have come together. Or not yes, come together, but uh, helped one another come into, into focus for me. Very much so. I, I, I guess I might... I, how would I describe that? Probably that if I'm with somebody in that absolute knowing and belief in their potential, then one thing I can do is to help them see where that is already playing out in their life, where their potential and their capabilities and whatever is are already playing out. It's kind of, I think as, as, as coaching as well, we want to see help people to get in touch with their infinite potential and also how they are blocking that, how they are keeping restricting flow. You know, what is it you want? Well, how are you keeping that out? I often say there's generally only two reasons we don't have what we want. One, we're not honest about wanting it. Mm. As in, we might tell ourselves we want something we really don't, but we think we should want it or we think we shouldn't want it when we really do. We're just generally not honest. And two, we don't believe we can have it. So mm. we're kind of not energetically in alignment with, with receiving that. But anyway, there's a whole other, <laughs> whole well, other no, conversation. No, I, 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 I really like that, though, Phil. And I, and I think it speaks to, I mean, the easiest way to help people see those two things is by, by demonstrating to them via a, a grounded conversation that honors who and what they truly are. I, I mean, mm. if I can hold that place as a coach, 
for a client who may may have temporarily forgotten. I mean, that is just the most powerful thing. And and you know, when I'm always looking for um, something indicative of where they want to go and and where they're going, and I can sort of point someone at that, the realizations that come from that place are mind-boggling, right? And and the the, the bonus is it's effortless. And most of the time, the person's like, oh, my God, wow, yeah, I, really? <laughs> oh, yeah, this morning, there was an aspect of this. But, but wait a minute, you said that you haven't had it in weeks. Now you're saying it was, so it's so much fun to, it's so much fun to, to bring people into um, a heightened awareness of, of potential and possibility and where it's already occurring. It's so and fun. help them to see themselves, you know, no, help pretty- them to see themselves beyond those um, limiting stories of, of themselves. Well, so, and that's, oh, sorry, Phil, go ahead. I, I was just going to go back. I'm, I'm just curious, perhaps briefly, I, I'm curious what took you into the, you know, the health and fitness profession in, in the first place. What do you think was like that? And what was that like for you? And then, and then at what point did you start to think, okay, I think I want to move in a different direction here. And what was that like? Yeah. So what, what, um, what took me into it? Um, Well, there, there is, I mean, I, I guess I'll give you the honest answer, Phil. Um, it was financial. Um, when, so I'd been in martial arts uh, for quite a while. And, uh, and, I'd, and I'd started um, a, a club that I w- was training with sort of fractured a little bit, uh, as they sometimes do. And I took over one aspect and then someone else took over another. And, and so then I'm, <clears throat> from there, so this is probably a couple of years, 2000 four, five ish, five, six, maybe. And, uh, what happened was that this thing called CrossFit appeared and I had no idea what CrossFit was. So the modality called the trademark called CrossFit. And, uh, the, the woman that I was dating at the time, we were going to the gym and she started doing this thing called CrossFit. I was like, you know, I kind of standoffish. I'm a martial arts guy. I kind of know what I'm doing. I'm watching her and she's doing all these weird exercises. She's doing handstand push-ups. She's doing all this new stuff. I'm like, wow. And the truth is what I recognized was, well, there's nothing like this in the city that I live in. What a great opportunity. (laughs) So uh, that's, that's the honest truth. It it was, it was motivated by, um, well, it was motivated by what I saw as a very, very effective modality, but it was also motivated by a desire to create a little bit more freedom in my life. Um, one of the things that I've always done is work as a carpenter. So I've been doing that sort of throughout my university years. It was, and I don't want to say an easy fallback, no disrespect to any professional carpenters out there, but um I was working with a small crew and realized that I was no longer happy. And, you know, I was complaining a lot at home and my partner finally said, look, just quit and do this. So I've always been interested in in fitness and health and and things of that nature. So, you know, the, the opportunity presented itself. I took a deep breath and jumped in with both feet, um, rented out a place, uh, the first place where I apprenticed in CrossFit, um, it used to rain and snow inside. It was oh a slanty driveway. <laughs> so the water used to run in underneath. Oh, it was, it was, it was an amazing place. People still speak very fondly of it. Um, so that's kind of how it started. It, it really was driven by, by a desire for freedom um, and self-employment. So for anybody who's never heard of them, are, are they, is that essentially like a franchise setup? Is it? They, they, they call, they're somewhat. Um, in any case, it doesn't in, really matter. It, yeah, essentially, it's you just, yeah. So, but it, yeah. there was you essentially going into running your own business. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I came from a family of entrepreneurs. My, my parents had their own business. So that was sort of, there was always in the back of my mind, this sort of natural progression towards self-employment to entrepreneurship. And part of it was quite honestly, that I don't always play well with others in a, in a structured role. You know, I've never been in corporate or anything like that. Um, you know, I had a, I had a brief foray when I was younger in teaching. Um, and, uh, it was made clear to me 
there that um, the bureaucracy of teaching is, is something that um, you can either handle or you can't. And it was made clear that I couldn't handle it. So, <laughs> so but anyway, I digress a little bit. So, the, so I'm the, kind of curious, like, was there a, a strain during this? Have you always at this time also been interested in perhaps the mental side of personal development as well? Like where did that start to weave in? Yeah, that's, that's been there as long as I can remember, Phil, okay. to be honest. Um, and it's funny, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Um, I have never really, I would never describe myself as ever actively being a guy looking for state of mind or self-improvement. Most of my exposure to this world came through philosophy, actually, which okay. I did at university. So um, reading about different religions in the world, different philosophies in the world. My, my, the book that kind of got me started was the Tao Te Ching, right? And then, so my, and, and before that, I, I, I thank my parents. Um, although at the time it drove me nuts, my dad was always posting these, you know, he'd have these little sayings and he'd write them on the whiteboard in the kitchen and then want to talk about them. And it drove me nuts. It's like, absolutely drove me nuts. I don't know. And uh, so I feel like I came by it quite honestly. You know, like my, my parents always sort of talked about it. My dad posting these notes and then my interest in, you know, different religions, different ways of thinking, the, the way that different cultures saw the world and, and the perceptions of, of their world and of, and of our world, right? Our Western world. And it just kind of grew from there. Um, and it's always struck me that, that there was more going on than what was visible to the eye is, is maybe what the, the sort of kernel of interest was. It's like, okay, we're here, we're here and there's gotta be more to it. Right. Um, so that's probably kind of how in truth, kind of how it starts. Right. It, it, it's just, I remember thinking when I was quite young, um, that uh, a grand accomplishment might be the elimination of the language between subject and object, right? So, and in my mind, I was probably, man, I don't know, 15 at the time, thinking that if we could eliminate subject and object, then what we're left with is oneness, right? If we stop seeing things from an external perspective to an external mm -hmm. perspective. And I, I mean, I didn't know what I was talking about back then, right? But, but I, I, re I remember thinking, okay, so the elimination of subject and object, thinking about that as a young teen, well, as a middle teenager. Um, and, and interesting, um, th this is funny, but it, it, I think it fits. Um, my mother recently told me that uh, her mother had the sight and she was able to predict things. So I don't know, you know, my mom's 86, <laughs> she may be misremembering, but uh, she was quite serious about it. You know, Omi, so my grandmother, was, uh, uh, there were a number of occasions that she mentioned, and uh, the one I can remember was she predicted the birth date, place, and sex of this child that was going to be born. Very matter of fact, oh yeah, it's going to be this, it's going to be born on this day, and it's going to be born in this place. And she was right. Now, is that, who knows? But it seems that you know, whether we prescribe to sight or things like that or not, there, there's been sort of a, um, a trend over a number of generations to be curious and to look in the direction of what more might there be out there. Mm. Mm. You know, I, I find it very amusing as well, listening to you and just reflecting because uh, you've kind of reminded me, well, I remember my ex-brother-in-law so from my first marriage and uh he passed a few years ago so uh but um he was really into philosophy and spirituality at a time that i wasn't and i just thought god this guy's so weird and he would seem to talk about stuff that just made no sense to me and i just thought this guy's off his rocker and also probably even further back than that um i can refer to him as my stepdad but you know i was an adult really when he came into my life so my mum's second husband he was about my age um, when we first met when he first came into my life and um, him and my mom have been married for well over 30 years now but anyway he um he was really into spirituality and and uh, funny enough a course in miracles which is one of my favorite spiritual texts right. now but again at the time just i had no exposure to it i just thought that's all a bit weird so it's, it's, it was it was just kind of amusing just to reflect i think i can imagine what it is like perhaps even 
some of my friends that have known me all my adult life probably think, yeah, this guy's all a bit weird now, perhaps. Anyway, it's kind of amusing. So, so Michael, when when did you first start getting the inkling of moving out of the fitness profession into the X coaching? <laughs> Say, yeah. Insert X. Is it life coaching, business coaching, executive coaching? Yeah. Anyway, let's just call it coaching. Um, uh, yeah, good. Let's call it. Let's just call it coaching. Um, so the inkling. Well, I mean, I, I guess, well, the truth is it, it's 2015 um, and it is through an exposure to a Sid Bank tape, Sid Banks tape. Um, my gym was flourishing at this point. I mean, I was making good money, living well, you know, I didn't have to worry about anything. And, uh, you know, I had uh, five or six trainers at the time working with me. So, so basically the gym was in its heyday in 2015. Wow. And then I listened to a Sid tape and it's like, <laughs> Oh shit, I can't do this anymore. Like, Oh, I'm done. <laughs> um, it was, it's funny up until that point, there had been no inkling whatsoever. I assumed that I would be running the gym. I mean, it started with, uh, you know, with a, a business opportunity, but quickly turned into a passion project. I mean, I just loved it. I, I love the same way I love coaching. I love being in front of a class. I love working with people. Um, there's just something, there's just some, there's juice there, man. It's awesome. Uh -huh. yeah. um, so I kind of went from, wow, I love what I do to, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> what I, what I saw was, um, without going into the details of it, but what I saw was that what was made clear to me was that the only limitation we ever have is a mental one. And I mean, I had sort of seen that through my years in the gym, right? Well, I can't do that. Well, okay. Can you do this? Oh, I can't like someone squatting, for example, well, I can't squat. Well, do, can you do this? Yes. Can you do this? Yes. Can you, Hey, look, you're squatting. Cool. You know, so, <laughs> um, Yeah. So 2015 can't do it anymore. And then, um, and then I floundered for four years in the wilds of, you know, the three principles world and three principles. So what, what, so was I, that like? what do you mean by that? Kind of just floundering for sort of three or four years. <laughs> that, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm really curious about, yeah. you know, the yeah. juice of this transition, because as you said, you know, really flourishing, successful business, and yeah. and uh yeah to to kind of jump into something else um there'll be people listening to this who have have either done that or considering doing that would be really interested in 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 your journey yeah so how do i So the experience, so my, 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 my realization happens that uh, what I heard in a split second was I'm making it all up. And <clears throat> so with that, armed with that knowledge that, oh my God, I am the creator of my experience. Of course, I thought to myself, well, the world needs to know this because the world would be a better place. And of course, um, what that led me on was this evangelical kind of, I'm going to talk to everyone. I'm, I am going to let the world know what they've been missing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that doesn't work too well. Uh, so, and I, and I think that happens often when, when someone has, uh, an, an epiphany or a life-changing moment that uh, their desire is to share it with the world. Right. So, you know, if we go back to earlier on where I said, you know, I've got all this coaching experience, but a lot of it was as subject matter expert as a trainer, not as a real coach. So um, between 2015 and 2019, yeah, 2018. So, you know, there's three, four, five years, four years, maybe where I'm floundering and I'm floundering because I don't know what I'm doing. I, I've, I, I have this experience and I know there's truth in the experience. I know something about that experience is absolutely fundamentally true. And what I did, and 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 I and I want to say I did this in total innocence, was that I came at it from the perspective of subject matter expert. So I told people, 
and I tried to give people. And in that, I lost touch with what it is that I had found, right? So I, I guess the floundering was the time between 2015 and 20, we'll say 2019, that period of time was spent learning about what a coach is and what a coach does and, and how that works. And the way that I came th to that was through getting coaching credentials. And I, and I know that not everyone is a fan of those and arguably they're not required, but for me, <clears throat> it felt like a very natural progression and, and, and what galvanized it again, I seem to be liking that word was um, I was in a program in, in the early, well, I don't know when it was 2016, 17, maybe I'm not sure. And we were asked to do a coaching demo uh, video. So I did a coaching demo. And then I asked my coaching mentor if they would review the coaching demo that I did. And I didn't know that this person actually watched the demo. I just assumed they didn't, but they actually watched it. And the response was, well, um, I can't give you any feedback because you don't know what coaching is. Don't. Okay. <laughs> so at that point, I kind of realized that one way or another, I had to find some structure. I had to find, I had to learn what coaching was. Um, so yeah, four years of trying to share, you know, what is known as the three principles um, fundamentally onto deaf ears was a result of, of, um, of there being some fundamental misunderstandings in what I was trying to do. So, you know, I didn't see the potential and possibility in everyone else. I didn't see that they were truly connected to their own wisdom. What I was trying to do, the lens that I was looking through, <clears throat> and this was actually a big shift for me. The lens I was looking through was one of being able to help people. And what, what, what occurred to me was that sort of, and I don't remember exactly when it was in this process, but what occurred to me was that help is actually a four letter, four letter, four letter word, and it became a dirty word. And the reason is because when I went to help someone, and I did it innocently, sort of altruistically, but when I go to help someone, it became, it meant to me that there was a discrepancy between me and them. I had something that they didn't have, and I could help them find that thing that I had. And that's just a fundamentally flawed way of going about, well, I'll say this now, any relationship, let alone a coaching relationship. Yeah, yeah. So in there, in that realization that, okay, wait a minute, people don't need help. What people need is someone to be of service to them, to be on their agenda. And a lot of that was taught to me in, in the formal coach training that I did. Right. So I was able to put some parameters around um, what it was that that uh, that coaching does, what it can accomplish and how it does them. So if anyone's, you know, listening to this and they're on the, uh, you know, entertaining going into coaching, I mean, obviously, that's why they'd be listening. But I'm a big fan of good coach training programs. Uh, I am I'm a big fan of, of creating a bit of a, a formal um, understanding around what it means, you know, um, you wouldn't hire a plumber that didn't have a plumbing credential. Now I'm not saying that a coach needs to have a credential, but for me, and, and, you know, maybe my learning style as well, having, having some parameters, having some guidelines was really, really helpful to me. And I, and I know you and I have probably debated this as well a little bit in uh, various, various forums because, um, you know, I, I feel this profession in any case, any credentials you, you get are actually by a, uh, an independent body. There is no overarching, overriding body. So, you know, I could, in fact, I did think about it. I think in 2014, I registered the domain heartofcoaching.academy because I thought, well, maybe I'll start my own coaching academy. And right. maybe if I'd have followed through on that, here we would be six, seven years later, and we might have had hundreds of people getting Heart of Coaching Academy accreditation, and that would be recognized as some kind of formal accreditation. So... I think the important my this is just how it looks to me there's there is no there's no real truth here there's our individual opinions I think here and our individual experiences but for me I think yes for sure where accreditation um, is useful 
for the coach personally is definitely in providing some structure but there's also that whole thing around measurement and you go into organizations that require some kind of measurement you know are you who you say you are and can you do what you say you're you're, you're going to do for us and then you know there's the other way I've, I've never really gone through I, I mean gosh okay so I've gone through lots of different trainings and workshops and programs and some of those had have issued some certificates and accreditations but I never talk about them I never mention them and I'm not I haven't gone through the 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 internationally recognized one one such as icf or what have you um and uh i've only ever been asked for why what what makes me qualified to do what i do i've only ever in all of these years and in in having coaching being my sole vocation soul and soul vocation um <laughs> since what 2011 was the last time i was doing any work outside of coaching Somebody's only ever asked that to me once, and I just at the time I had a had a birthday card on the shelf next to me, so I just showed them that, told them that was my my qualification. <laughs> awesome. um, I think ultimately, what people want to know here, and this is the important point, is what people want to know is even though you've used the H word and you said it's kind of a four letter word, but they want us to help them in some way. Can you help them? In some way, that's all that's all anybody really wants to know. In fact, if you meet somebody, you know, in the whole network meetings and I'll encourage people who who are starting out as being a coach, a great, great place to practice answering the question that you're going to get asked. What do you do? And just go to network meetings because you'll get asked that by every single person that comes and shakes your hand. Oh, what do you do? So you can just practice and say, I've said things like, oh, I fuck people up in the head or whatever. Just playfully just mess around with it. But in any case, so, you know, people just really want to know, can you help them? And in that respect, getting accreditation is a great measurement for that. And at the same time, you can go through, I've spoken to a few, you can go through accreditation programs, training programs, and not be one of the best coaches out there. And I've certainly, I've hired coaches who probably like me have had, who've not gone through any of the accreditation who are just mind-blowingly helpful. And I think, so that's why there's no right or wrong here. And it is very much about finding what feels good for you. Like clearly for you, the structure was very useful and helpful in that. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoy our debates around it, and and I and I, mm-hmm. and I also recognise that there is no real truth here. I definitely recognise the the usefulness of of the accreditation from a measurement perspective, and also helping you develop as a coach. I want to come back as well, and I'm, I'm conscious of the time here. There was a there was a there was an a, a, something you touched on, and so I just wanted to expand on it because I think. Anybody who's come across some kind of new understanding, I did it 2003. I read a book when I was on holiday in Egypt and I came back and I bought 10 copies of this book, <laughs> handing it out to everybody. It wasn't a three P's book, by the way, but that whole evangelical thing, where, oh my gosh, everybody needs to know this. Mm-hmm. And um, I think there's almost a subtlety there. It's like, you, that was the energy it looked like, well, that was the blue, that was the blue touch paper for you that got lit was that realization that took you into that then coaching journey. And yet then there was a shift from really what could have been somebody who's going to go and teach people the principles to embodying that understanding and then using that understanding yourself rather than teaching it so that you're sitting with people in that knowing that they have that infinite potential within them. Yeah, spot on, Phil. I think that, um, I mean, that really hits the nail on the head. Um, and, and just to, to, to bring the coach training into that, um, it also becomes an embodiment. So a lot of people, they think about technique and they think about this. And, and I was very vocal about the importance of technical training. And, um, and I'm still vocal about it because I, I think it's valuable. Yes. Um, what I'm noticing and it's not that I'm noticing this, I knew it would occur, is that it becomes embodied and it becomes more and more embodied. And as it becomes embodied, it is no longer mechanical, right? So in line with what you're saying, it becomes something that you live. And and it's through your lived example, I think, that we can have the strongest impact on people. So, you know, something that I take 
quite seriously on this coaching journey is <clears throat> how do I exemplify? How do I live my own life? Do I live a joyful life? I can talk to people about living a joyful life or a life full of potential and possibility, but do I actually live it? Do I actually walk the talk? And I've been very fortunate um, the people that I've, and I've learned from so many different people, yourself included, Phil, and, and the people that I've learned the most from are the people that most embody, you know, they walk the talk. And I think there's nothing more powerful than sitting with someone from a place of truly knowing their potential, you know, from, from truly being grounded in what I know whether that's coaching principles now or 3P or spirituality, if I'm truly grounded in what I know, there's no better conversation to have with someone than a coaching conversation. If I really know that Phil is a fucking miracle and he's attached to his own wisdom, then the notion of teaching doesn't <laughs> exist. Like, it's like, what am I doing here? Like, I'm talking to an equal on every level. Yeah, yeah. What am I going to teach them? let's explore this together. Let's, let's, you know, so, so yeah, it, it's funny. And, and I've been reflecting on this as well. My, my, my outward stance has softened and not that I ever denied presence is critical because it is, you know, as my coach skill, my, my technical skills have gotten better and have gone into the background a little bit. You know, I don't think about technique anymore. I don't think about questions anymore. That's all receded. And what's shown, wow, now there's an eagle out in front of the window, man. Dude, this oh, is so cool. Yeah. Hummingbirds and eagles. Um, so, so, so this, this, it strikes me that, that it really does begin with presence and one's own grounding. You know, if, if, and, and how can I demonstrate that? How can I, how can I, how can I demonstrate my grounding to someone in it in any way other than holding them 100% capable of whatever it is they want to do? I mean, to me, that, that honors someone in a way that no other form of, so coaching honors people in a way that no other form of communication does. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, the ICF cliche, that's not a cliche, but creative, resourceful, and whole. Well, what is there a more powerful place to communicate with someone from than holding them as creative, resourceful, and whole? In the 3P community, we talk about everyone is connected to their wisdom. Well, what could be more powerful than truly holding someone as connected to their own wisdom? I mean, in my mind, there is nothing more powerful than that. And, and it took a while. Wow, this is amazing. This eagle is just, it's like, I wish you could see it, Phil. It's like 30 feet away. It's huge. It's massive. Anyway, so there's nothing, there's nothing more powerful than that, than that, um, that connection. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's funny as I, as I look at this eagle out there, it's, it's like, there's nothing more powerful than the connection to all that is alive around us. Yeah. And when yeah. we, when we see ourselves as inseparable or indistinguishable, from everything else that's around us. And we hold people from that place. Miracles are possible. I mean, that's in my, I mean, that's where miracles come from. It, it's, it's from miracles occur when, when your belief in someone else trumps their temporary disbelief. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, it's so powerful. It, it's, you know. It is so powerful because I, I think we know and we're probably all experienced relating with somebody who doesn't really see us. Mm. Uh, you know, we, we will know what that's like and what that feels like. And, and um, whereas, yes, uh, a coach, I always say that really it is your presence that's the most impactful. And um, <laughs> it's like through all of that technical training, what all of that technical training will essentially help us do is get our techniques out of the way and, exactly. and allow the presence. And um, I, I can have people show up in front of me, whatever, whatever they have going on. Gosh, I've even coached uh, somebody who had lost a child now. Uh, gosh. And yet 
even that with that person in front of me i feel such love and excitement i feel excitement somebody comes and sit in front of me i'm excited whatever they have going on i'm just excited at what's possible and just being with somebody who has that knowing there's something energetically that if we want to if we want to try and describe what's going on it just appears to be something energetically that goes on so for all those people, I guess, uh, we see the questions asked, oh, what do I say to somebody? What do I do with somebody who's showed up and they have this horrible thing going on? And it really is just being with them in the knowing of, of what's possible and, and, and all of who they are. I, I think that was really well put. Um, you know, to, to be with someone in the knowing of, of all that they are is... Yeah, there, there's just nothing. I mean, I keep coming back to there's nothing more honoring than that. There, there's nothing more real than seeing someone, meeting someone from and in that place. And I've got to say, I, I've been so fortunate that um, the technical coach training I've done was delivered, you know, hey, sun, moon. I have never met a person with a stronger presence. And this woman is a diminutive. I mean, she's, I don't know, 110 pounds, maybe she's a diminutive figure. And I have never met a more powerful and more grounded person. And she has a very strong spirituality behind her, which she never talks about, which she never teaches, never talks about, but fundamental to her approach to coach training is presence. It is being in the moment. It is listening. It is, it, it's amazing. I, I, I feel so fortunate that my coach training has come outside of the connect the dots, grow models, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. kind of training, right? Because I probably would have just closed the book on that. I mean, I've read all of, a lot of the, the textbooks on training and coaching, Oh, and they're awesome, but they're dry and, and, and they allude to presence, but there's something about, there's something just absolutely foundational to presence. You, you, you just, you just can't get away from it. No technique, no, no, nothing is going to trump presence. Right. And in an absence of technical training presence, most of the time will likely be enough. Now bringing those two things together, harmonizing, you know, coach training and presence. So bringing those two worlds together, I think is, is so much more powerful than one or the other worlds are on their own. Right. And I can see how that played out like in my own, in my own coaching journey, which, you know, uh, one of my coaches reminded me last year and helped me to see, well, what I was doing 30 years ago, having one-on-one -on -one conversations with people in my teams, weekly one-on-one -on -one, where they could bring anything. And I was actually really present with them and there was no taboo subject. I was, I was coaching them. In fact, I was probably a better coach then than some periods of my of my career where I was really immersed in some of the technicalities and I was trying to be someone. And you cannot be truly present if you are trying to be someone or you are trying to do something or you're, you're, you have an agenda. So, um, yeah, so I can see there's probably a better coach then, but then, yes, you know, we, we all evolve. So... Um, well, and, it, and it's, and it, sorry, Phil, it's really interesting, um, you know, Dominic Scafidi and I run a, a journey to coach mastery program for three P coaches. And we bring, you know, ICF competencies into it. So we talk about the harmony. And one of the things that we've noticed is that coaches that have never had any training, they come in and they have presence and that mm -hmm. serves them well. Yes, and then we start yes. talking about techniques and we start not, not so much techniques, but we start talking about the value of competencies in coaching. And they almost, there's almost a trend that when they first come in, they forget about the presence. So they discard that. This is like, no, 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 this is not a, this is not a process of elimination. This is a process, process of addition, a process of harmonization, right? We're bringing the two together, but it is funny that sort of at the beginning of the journey into training, a lot of people kind of have this, okay, now I have to make it about the training or make it about the technique, make it about the skill. And then you lose the presence, right? So it's, it's, it, it seems to, it seems to be a bit of a bit of a balancing act at first, 
And it takes a bit of time to bring those things into harmony, to bring those things into balance. And, and once we do, uh, you know, best of both worlds, man. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to one of my clients this just this week, actually, who's in, in my coaching life, Unleashed. And um, yeah, just talking about like, I, I, I encourage people like immerse yourself in all of that technical training, watch the webinars, read the, you know, the list of 120 coaching questions, do all of that stuff. And then, yeah. and then just let yourself, let yourself be changed by that training. Let yourself be changed and evolved by reading that stuff and then let it go and just show up as you, albeit the changed you in those yeah. conversations. So it's really about, yes, I'm going to allow myself to change and I'll just show up as me changed. Michael, a, yeah, sorry. Oh yeah. On. No, I just, no, just, I, I'm also cognizant of the time flow. I just, yeah. um, with what you're saying, um, so Heysan talks about that in terms of being, of, in terms of fluency. Yeah. When we're fluent, right? When it's embodied, we're no longer thinking, right? Yes. We're not thinking about presence because we're fluent in it. We're not thinking about techniques because there's fluency, there's embodiment. So yeah, no, very, very cool. Very cool. Very cool. Flip. And it feels like we only just really scratched the surface of your yeah, journey. Know. This is like, but I think this is all, I think this is all really good, juicy stuff anyway. So I've thoroughly enjoyed this. I'm sorry we don't really have more time, but um, yeah, I'm sure this would be really useful. Um, I'm, I'm I'm excited to get to get this conversation out there and have people listen to it. And, well, I um, hope there's some value in there for people. Yeah, I'm sure there will be. Yeah, and I'm 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 just very happy to uh, yeah be be on this planet on this rock at the same time as you. So um, totally. thank you, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't see that, but well, the, the audience won't see this. But yes, thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. All right. Cheers, Phil. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Coaching Life podcast. I'd love to know what are you taking away from this conversation and how will you use that? Email us at coachinglife at philg.com. I've been having coaching conversations and coaching people for over 30 years and have been coaching professionally, being paid as a coach for over 16 years. If you'd like to explore having me in your corner and as your mentor in building your practice and your prosperous coaching life, my six month coaching life unleashed program may be perfect for you. It has just four openings each year as I only work with two other coaches at a time. Drop me an email if you'd like more details or to set up a call to explore to see if this highly personalized intensive coaching and mentorship program will be a fit for you in creating and developing your prosperous coaching life. And finally, if you're enjoying these conversations, please share them with your friends and your community and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. It makes a huge difference in helping other people like you get an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life. Until next time, thank you very much for listening. I wish you much love, prosperity, and joy.